Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Working for a Living radio show, where we present opinions that matter. Tonight, we're joined by co-hosts Jeff Brown and David Fillion, and I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. We have a few announcements. The first one is, uh, well, today's Mother's Day, so we wish all the mothers all all around the world the very best and happy Mother's Day to all of you. Uh, you sure have done a lot of work, and we appreciate it. All of us do. So, second announcement is: uh, please remember to decline to sign any petition that you presented regarding the prevailing wage in the state of Michigan. Uh, so. Uh, If you uh, are presented with a petition to sign, please decline to sign that. That helps the building trades to maintain a a, uh, prevailing wage uh, on any government work that they do, whether union or non-union. So that's helping both uh, union brothers and non-union brothers and sisters. So uh, union brothers and sisters. Uh, The third announcement is that our brothers and sisters of Verizon are still on strike. Please support them by clogging up the Verizon support operations and calling the National Service Line at 800-837-4966. We have some emails tonight, a couple. Uh, First one is, uh, I enjoy the format of the show and all the information that you provide in a condensed way. Keep up the great efforts. Tony, retired in Florida. And the second one is, hi, everyone. I have now heard the quote from Aristotle a couple of times. It really does make sense. I'm going to begin using using it in my own life, and that's from Florence, if you didn't say where. Uh, So let me bring on the uh, other co-hosts here, uh, Jeff and uh, David Fillion, Jeff Brown from Flat Rock Ford, and David Fillion retired from... uh, the uh, VOC, formerly Oldsmobile, 652. Uh, hello, Jeff and, and David. Hi, Leroy. David. Hi, Leroy. How you doing, Jeff? Hi. I'm good. I'm good. Good to hear. Okay. Nice to see you guys on the show tonight. Thanks for being here. Uh, you know, it's uh, uh, Mother's Day, so the, 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 the women co-hosts have other things to do. Uh, on this uh, wonderful day for him. So uh, we're going to stand up and take all the heat tonight. How's that, guys? <laughs> that's that's uh, good. So, the weather's, weather is too good out there for not to enjoy the day. So. Oh, yeah. It's just a gorgeous day for the, for the mothers around here in uh, this, you know, uh, mid-America. You know, we've got just just amazing weather here in Michigan. Uh, so it's uh, it's a nice day for everybody to uh, just enjoy this lovely day out. Lots of barbecuing going on, and almost you know right at 70 degrees, and people are in their their backyards and side yards, just having a wonderful time around here. So anyhow, uh, well, our, our tigers uh, tigers lost today big time. <laughs> oh gee. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, they well, were winning, and then they they blew it. <laughs> And of course, of course, we're here in Michigan. Most of us are Tigers fans. Of course, Jeff is big, big Tigers fan. So, yeah, thanks yes. for that, Jeff. Uh, they didn't do too good yesterday. Last I saw, it wasn't too good. And I don't think it's playing Texas or something. At ten to five last yes, I saw yesterday. Yes, they're playing Texas here in Detroit. So, both teams had their uh, pink gear, the pink bats. You know, now they're up. Breast Cancer Day and Mother's Day, as right. they've been doing the last 10 years, I think. But, yeah, it was a gorgeous day for everybody to enjoy the ballpark. Um, oh, yeah. So. Yeah, wonderful day at the ballpark. Yeah. Whether you win or lose, you know, it's always fun to be there. It's, uh, you know, this new ballpark we have here in, in Detroit, and, of course, the old Tiger Stadium was just an amazing place, you know, to take the kids and stuff. So, anyhow, and this, you know, Still an amazing place to take the kids on. Uh, this is uh, Co America Park now. So, uh, well, yep. Jeff, you got a, a news item for us here today? Yeah, we got a big news item. Um, for those of you who aren't living in Southeast Michigan or Detroit area, um, last week Detroit 
school teachers started sick outs, calling sick days throughout the Detroit school district. Um, they've been getting a lot of support, a lot of publicity from other unions, retired and active members have been downtown walking the lines and everything. Um, what they've been our thing is the lack of uh, well, same same thing every year in Detroit schools. Um, no books, no materials. Um, and in Detroit school district is run by an emergency manager, the same type of person who created the water crisis in Flint, um, who works was appointed by our great. Michigan Governor Rex Snyder, and this guy is making a huge six-digit figure salary every year. Um, he has been blasting them as uh, teachers, calling them um, in the news. Uh, he is calling for um, some the courts to rule against them and force the teachers back to work. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, one of the, there's a few, few things in this whole system that's really will shock a lot of people across the country with what's dealing with Detroit. Um, last week, yes, Michigan Attorney General Bill Schuette, um took over $450 million that was supposed to go to the Detroit schools, turned around and gave it to Mr. Mike Hillage, who owns the Detroit Red Wings, Detroit Tigers, and Little Caesars Pizza. Um, Mr. Illich and the Red Wings are building a new stadium in Detroit, and that $450 million will be going to building a new stadium. Now, we do know we need a new stadium, but it shouldn't be taken away from the Detroit school kids. You know, the UAW has has donated musical instruments to several Detroit schools in their um, last few years. This is just totally unacceptable. It's Dirty politics, it's corruption. In fact, there was last week there was up to almost a dozen Detroit school principals who were arrested <laughs> for corruption inside their schools. They were taking money from the schools, and they were also t- purchasing gift cards that was supposed to give that money that they took from the schools. They took it up for their own greed, these seven or 12 principals. Um, so they're, they're going to have a day in court. They get slapped for some heavy jail time. Um, people under, got to understand that back in the late 80s, then Governor, Mich- uh, Michigan Governor John Engler signed a law that no teacher, no school district in the state of Michigan, teachers cannot cannot go out on strike. That's why the teachers are not on strike, like you have been noticing what's going on in Chicago. Um, so the trade school teachers are calling in sick every day. And that will continue on this week. Um, if anybody in the Detroit area um, or willing Walk the picket line. I'm sure they would gladly accept your support. But this is just just greedy corporate. I mean, greedy government, um, corporate welfare going to Mr. Illich in the new stadium. Um, and that's unacceptable. This type of stuff's got to stop. Um, so if you want to check it out any further, you can research the Detroit Free Press online, Detroit News, any of the Detroit TV stations, 
it's it's really a big deal here in Detroit. And I know a couple of the Detroit teachers, and some of the buildings are in this terrible shape over the years. Uh, last year they had a problem with mold in a lot of the schools. Um, it just it's just terrible what's happening. And it's the kids that are being hurt by this. You know, uh, the kids are... If our kids here in Detroit acted like the kids in Seattle a couple of years ago when the Seattle teachers went on strike, the students walked the picket line as well to support their teachers. So if any of those Detroit school kids are listening tonight... You ain't going to have no class, so walk the picket line with your teachers. They're fighting hard to help you guys, okay? Follow their example. Support them. You'll be doing the labor movement a big favor by supporting your teachers who are doing the right thing for the students. Um, That's good. Yep, that's good advice, uh, Jeff. I, uh, I'd like to follow up a little bit. Uh, I want to explain to the rest of the listeners, uh, you mentioned emergency manager, but I want to elaborate on that a little bit. Uh, this emergency manager situation has been going on for many years now under Governor Snyder uh, of Michigan. And what it uh, does uh, the schools have school boards, and the cities and townships have uh, their own city councils and township boards. And there are a number of cities around Michigan, Flint being one of those, that have had emergency managers. And some of the school districts, uh, we would certainly point out Detroit has an emergency manager now. What an emergency manager is uh, and how that process happens is the governor uh, – goes in and suspends democracy and suspends the ability to perform the duties required of the board, in this case, the school board members, uh, and uh, puts an emergency manager in place of that. Now, as, as Jeff pointed out, this emergency manager in the Detroit school board is paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. And as Jeff also pointed out, you know, he's, uh, or he or she could be either one. I think it's a he right now, right, Jeff, the guy? It's a he, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. okay, he. so it's a guy. We don't, I, I don't know his name. But then he, he, you know, gets there to conduct the business of the school board or the, the school district. And in this case, he's supposed to be getting as much as he can for the school district. And very clearly, instead of the $450 million coming into the school district, he's buddied up with uh, the attorney general and the governor to get this money over to the private sector, to the Illich family, you know, just because they own a lot of uh, high-profile businesses, Little Caesars and the Detroit Red Wings and the, the Detroit Tigers. Uh, these, these folks aren't supposed to be entitled. They're supposed to be, you know, making money on their own. Uh, and that money, if they need uh, other money, should come from bond proposals or something else, not just from the coffers that were supposed to go to the school district. So this is uh, uh, not uh, a good, good thing to be happening in our state, and we've seen it fail in Flint horribly, and we're seeing it fail the, the poor students of the Detroit school district. And believe me, believe me when I tell you, Detroit, how Detroit goes is how this, the rest of the state of Michigan goes because it is still remains the largest city in the, in the state of Michigan and one of the largest cities in the United States. So we have a vested interest, all of us here in this state, and, and certainly in the Midwest because, uh, you know, Ohio and Indiana are not so far from Detroit. Uh, so that this uh, is a success, this, this town and the school district certainly – uh, uh, gives us a, a forward-looking, in other words, 5, 10, 15 years from now, what's going to happen in the city if these young people aren't educated properly. So very important stuff going on, and if we can support these teachers in any way we can, 
uh, including the students uh, uh, walking the picket line. I, I agree with Jeff. Uh, David, do you have anything on this issue? It's not just Detroit. Um, schools are feeling the pain everywhere, even out here in uh, the country where I live. Last year, we had to close two elementary schools and combine uh, the students into the other buildings that we have left. Lack of funding. Yeah. Um, Detroit Go teachers got, all got an email yesterday saying that there's $48.7 million that will cover all employee, employees' pay, Detroit teachers' pay, until June of this year. After that, they're saying there's no more money. Well, I say get that money back from the Illich and put it right back where it's supposed to be in the Detroit schools. I, I agree, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's sort of a, a a tough issue going on down there in Detroit right now. So we we wish yeah, them the very worst. best. It's the worst of the situation for sure. It's the conditions. Yeah. Even though we closed two schools here um, there's heat, the roofs don't leak, um, they're maintained well. The videos I saw from Detroit are deplorable. Yes, I can't is. imagine. I can't imagine children going to school in that. It's um, very bad. And we, we, we last week there was a couple of nights in Detroit where there were um, multiple shootings. Thursday and Friday night in the Detroit area. And it kept Detroit police very busy. Um, it's definitely not a safe place. But um, on the other hand, I'm asking the students right now who are listening, if they are listening, to support their teachers. Do follow the students from Seattle's lead. All right? Support your teachers. Walk the picket line. All right? I know you guys could do it because I've seen you at other protests over the years or emergency managers here in Michigan. So please get out there and support your teachers. The weather's great. You're not going to have class. What are you going to do? Some play Nintendo all day? No. Get out and support your teachers. And that's all I got to say. Yeah, the, the students have to understand that their education is very important to them, and not having this education as it's supposed to be is not in your long-term best interest. So I know it's easy to say, well, let's just go, you know, to the park and play uh, or sit around and play video games or whatever the young people do these days. But believe me, it, as Jeff has just said, if you can support your teachers in the long run, you're going to be a lot better off. So... Uh, please get get there and support them. And if there's anybody in that area uh, that that uh, has the ability to get in there and help some of the teachers walk, uh, we reach out to them as well. Uh, and as as they need more and more, they'll get uh, to people like us and other groups and ask for it. But for now, they're asking for the support. And uh, you know anybody that can walk with them or just. Uh, protest and let the, the uh, leaders of this state know that they're simply uh, not going to stand for being uh, second-class citizens uh, like the people of Flint were because of their emergency manager. So write the governor, write your state senator and your state representative, and walk with your teachers. These are things that you can do, students. And uh, Jeff is absolutely correct in this. So. Having said that, if there's anything else on that issue, we'll move forward to our featured story tonight. Uh, before I no. go into that, I'd like to read this. Uh, Jeff, Jeff, did you have more on that or not? You good? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Sorry. Yep. All right. Yep. The uh, I always like to, to, for the last few shows, I've been reading this little quote from Aristotle, and it really does ring ring true to a lot of things in life. A problem defined is a problem half solved. And that's from Aristotle. You know, he was a uh, pretty wise man from many centuries ago. 
and um, uh, we we try to identify those uh, uh, items that are problems, and if we identify the problem, I like to think that it's half solved, and then it just takes a little bit of effort of getting it done. So each week we try to define a problem or deficiency of the IUAW, and this week we're talking about um, the pensions. In particular, uh, the pensions of the Teamsters seem to have been averted through the activism of some retired Teamsters, but can that actually uh, transcend over into the contractually automatic 50% cuts of the GM pensions, uh, and can that be averted? So with that issue on the table now, uh, who would like to go first on this one? Let's start with the Teamsters, and, and uh, I think uh, maybe uh, uh, Jeff was first on that uh, in the posting this week. Maybe, Jeff, can you start off with the Teamsters and how that's been averted or apparently it's been averted uh, through yeah, the um, uh, acts of the people? Sir. Um, what has happened um, last summer, um, there was an article published here in Detroit that Teamster President James Hoffa was uh, notifying the rank and file, or I'm sorry, the retirees in the central states that they could, they were going to lose up to 60% of their pension because they were running out of money. Um, I have two relatives who are retired Teamsters, okay? So I'm very been watching this story very closely. Um, so what happened is um, Mr. Feingold, I believe, who was a, uh, works for the U.S. Treasury, has gone around the central states conducting town hall meetings in Detroit, Minneapolis, Kansas City, and a few other areas to meet with the retirees, listen to their concerns. And they had packed houses. They, they did standing room only. Some people had to stay outside auditorium or outside the building. Um, Mr. Feinberg uh, was taking notes. He said that whatever he recommends to the U.S. Treasury on his findings um, will, be, will be what happened. And their deadline was yesterday to make their decision. So Friday came out and there was um, the news was released that Feinberg, I believe that's who his name is, I'm sorry if I didn't, if I got it wrong, um, has recommended to deny the Teamsters' request to block, to take, take away the retirees' pensions. That's a win for the retirees. Now, it's not a win for labor because labor is the one that was trying to cut these retirees' pensions, all right? It's a damn shame that a union leader would want to cut the retirees. I know it's been happening in the Detroit 3 UAW. It's happening everywhere. But somebody like Mr. Hoffa um, should know better. He should know better. His daddy would not do this. Um, so the, this has been averted. Um, for now, but there's still a chance that 10 years down the road that the central state's fund is going to run out of money. So that played into the part of the decision. Whether you run out today or run out in 10 years from now, too bad. You're not, you're not going to cut the retirees' pensions at this time. So that made a lot of people happy. Um, I know when I first called my aunt and told her the news, I mean, she almost broke down her tears. Um, she was so happy about it um, because my uncle is suffering from uh, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, and that's not a good thing. Um, he's really gone downhill a lot. But um, this, is Sorry a big victory for, this is a big victory for uh, the retirees. And so I'm, I'm glad that something went right in D.C. this week. Something... American people won something in D.C. this week. That rarely happens. So my hat's off to the to the guy who 
busted his butt, did all these sound law meetings, and made the right decision. So, so I got. Right. Jeff, or I mean, David, do you have something on this? Um, it uh, doesn't appear that it is completely over with yet. Um, there were some statements made during the week um, by this guy that, uh, what's his name, Ken Feinberg? Yeah, Feinberg. What, yeah. I think that's the name. Um, he uh, had made some statements in the week that uh, made me believe that um, that this would be looked at again. Um, this article that we have up um, isn't what I read earlier in the week, so I can't quote it exactly. Um, in the case that... Uh, fund does eventually run out of money the government's pension insurance funds the pension benefit guarantee corporation would be obligated to step in and pay the retirees a portion of the promised pension the central states is so massive there is a possibility it could wipe out the PBGC altogether Um, that's how large it is yeah um... and that fund is already cash strapped. Yes, it is. DBGC. Right. Um, I go ahead, Joe. Again, I, I go back to this mindset that I've been holding from for years. That you know, 30 years ago, these big corporations should have known that sometime down the road, all these baby boomers are going to retire. At the same time. Um, and, and it's happening now. Now, new people are coming in, and the young folks aren't getting pensions, as as the case in the, in the UAW, in the D3. Um, there is um, there was a report a couple months ago that Papa's number one man out in the West Coast had been arrested for corruption himself. So there's a lot of old school BS going on in the Teamsters still these days. Um, it doesn't surprise me, um, but the truth is the truth. The guy was arrested for corruption. He should be held accountable. And, and there is some people lining up right now to run against Mr. Hoffa at the next election. And I do believe he's going to lose because of this. Because not only were retirees upset, the active workers were upset. UPS is probably one of the biggest um, people who are rebelling against this right now. But anyway, that's in the Teamsters, down the road. Teamsters. In the Teamsters, the retirees are allowed to vote, are they not? Yes. What I thought. Yep. Everybody gets right. a vote in the Teamsters. Right. They, they have one, one member, one vote in the Teamsters, unlike the constitutional convention that the UAW has, right? Um, yes. The, uh, the, the reverse side of this, it's, it's my understanding uh, through some uh, news articles and reports live on CNBC that I happened to catch a week ago that the, I think Thursday a week ago um, that UPS put on their page that they were unhappy with this whole thing going on because the laws changed after the fact, after they uh, put uh, enough money in to fund everybody uh, and somehow the laws got changed. So, but it's my understanding now that in a uh, prorated uh, portion these companies that have retirees in this central states fund are going to have to bring it back up to uh, uh, the, the funding level, 85% funding level. Uh, and that, in the case of UPS, in this report that I saw, was $3.8 billion. Now, 
they certainly have the money. We mentioned that last week. Uh, all these companies are just swimming in money right now. So the whole idea that they can bring this back up to the proper funding level and not stress the PBGC uh, is, is uh, something that would be uh, a good thing for the members and uh, for the country itself. These corporations shouldn't be given this, you know, this free handoff and say, oh, we're just going to put you over there, and then if you run out of money, the heck with you. But they've been guaranteeing these pensions for all these years, saying, yeah, you'll have a full pension when, you, when it's time for you to retire. And in some instances, when this market went up in uh, 2013, it went up over 30%. And I know one corporation that reported they had a $60 billion pension and they reported an extra $18 billion in non-related profit, uh, non-related to their industry. So that's the 30%, the 33% that it went up. Uh, you, you times that by uh, 30% times $60 billion is $18 billion. Three times six is 18, right? So these, these, as the monies have gone up, they've taken the money out of these pension plans. So that's wrong as well. There's a whole lot of stuff going wrong, wrong with these pension plans. They, the pension funds themselves, if they weren't stealing from them, uh, would be swimming in money over the past uh, uh, seven years since this market's been moving up. And why aren't they is the question. Uh, so... That's that's one thing. I think these companies, on a prorated basis, ought to be forced to put the money back in there and fully fund the central state's pension plan and, without question, make them do it. And I understand that uh, that was part of this whole decision uh, that the Feinbolt uh, man was uh, working on. So, uh, and, and, again, I, don't, I can't recall his name, the man from Wisconsin, from the Teamsters, that pulled all this together. He was just an amazing brother out there, and they ought to really be taking a good hard look at him. I think it's Lewinsky or Wisniewski or something like that. I just can't recall the proper spelling in my, my mind right now, but he did a, he was an amazing job. Yeah, Very well spoken in his, in his uh, address to the retirees. Um, right. My guess, the way he talked, he had to be some type of local leader somewhere, um, yeah. he did a good job. Yes, he did. He, he took, lobbied and, the DC floor. Yep, so. yep. A few weeks ago, he took 300 of them to uh, uh, Washington, D.C. We didn't have a date when they were going to be there, but we said support them. Anybody that's in D.C., talk to your representative about the Teamsters issue while you're there. Uh, it, we didn't know uh, what day that week, but any time that week, just support them. And we uh, announced that here on this radio show. So uh, this is this is an issue that uh, we're we're pleased to see moving in the right direction. It may not be completely done yet. This was a recommendation to Treasury, but the Treasury is expected to follow it. And now we ask Treasury to follow through even on even a little more, and see to it that the uh, companies on a prorated basis refund these pensions, even though they their obligation contractually has been eliminated, but under ERISA, I believe they can still hold them accountable and have them refund this to the 85% level. So uh, we'll see if that all happens, but this is good news for the Teamsters. Now, the second half of our... David, do you have anything else to add to that? No, I have the second half, Leroy. Okay, the second half of our, our piece tonight is how this all affects the UAW now. I mean, uh, this particular issue had the opportunity for the Teamster members to marshal themselves and let you know, lobby the legislators and get the, get the Treasury out there and say, hey, don't do this to us. But in the UAW contract, there is a contractual, automatic contractual matter that causes a 50% reduction if the funding of the pension goes down by uh, goes down below 80%, it's fu- currently funded at a little over 85%. So if it goes below 
the, the pensions are contractually required to be re reduced by 50%. The Pension Protection Act of 2006 has been added to the contracts. So with that in mind, uh, how, uh, I'll open that issue up for discussion. David, why don't you take the first side of this one? Um, I would like to read the language um, that's in the contract that uh, um, I pulled from uh, Exhibits A and B. Section would you, four. Would you start? Would you, would you would you start one one second? Uh, would you start with the idea that uh, is the the corporation still and the, this language is in all Detroit Detroit three contracts. We're just using the General Motors, but would you uh, information uh, in the contract? Would you start with the requirement for continued funding, uh, if you would, okay. please, David? Yeah. Yep, I start with that. that. Let me, let me, let me go back to it. Okay. Yeah, there's some interesting language here. Okay. This is Section 4, Funding Based Restrictions, Pension Protection Act of 2006. The plan shall at all times comply with IRC Section 436 and regulations and other guidance thereunder. A, limitations applicable to the plan's adjusted funding target attainment percentage is less than 80%, but not less than 60%, notwithstanding any other provisions of the plan if the plan is adjusted. And I think I might have the wrong section here, Leroy. Yeah, this is the let second read part it. that let I me, wanted. Let, let me read this, if you don't mind, Jeff, because I have it up. I have, so, uh, and, and this is on uh, the tentative agreement digital page uh, Four and and page four of the um, this is uh, supplement A and B uh, and I'll read this uh, portion uh, B General Motors LLC by payment of contribution under the Internal Revenue Code and including contributions required by the Pension Protection Act of 2006 effective for the plan years on or after October 1st 2008 shall be relieved of any further liability under the plan. That says it all. They have been relieved from putting any more money into the plan. Okay. Now, having said that, uh, David's got some other stuff to follow up on how the, the funding uh, levels will be affected. Uh, again, currently funded at 85% and tied to the stock market in a big way. Uh, and if David will tell us what happens when it falls below 80%, and he's going to read that language for you now. Thank you, David. Yep, sorry, I uh, I lost that uh, funding section. I don't I can't find it. Um, anyway, okay. Um, digital page 90, section 4, Funding-Based Restrictions, Pension Protection Act of 2006. The plan shall at all times comply with IRC Section 436 and regulations and other guidance thereunder. A, limitations applicable to the plan's adjusted funding target attainment percentage is less than 80%, but not less than 60%, notwithstanding any other provisions of the plan, that the plan's adjusted funding target attainment percentage for a plan year is less than 80% or would be less than 80% to the extent described in Section 4A to below that is not less than 60% then the limitation set forth in this Section 4A shall apply. 50% limitation on single-sum payments, other accelerated forms of distribution, and other prohibited payments a participant or beneficiary is not permitted to elect. And the plan shall not pay a single sum payment or other optional form of benefit that includes a prohibited payment with an annuity starting. And uh, under 4A1, date on after applicable Section 436 measurement date and the plan shall not make any payment 
for the purchase of irrevocable commitment from an insurer to pay benefits or any other payment to or transfer that is prohibited payment unless the present value of the portion of the benefit that is being paid is is in a prohibited payment does not exceed the lesser of a 50% of the present value of the benefit payable in the optional form of benefit that includes the prohibited payment or B100 B1 100% of the um PBGC maximum benefit guarantee amount as defined in section 4 436 1D3 C of the Treasury regulations. The limitation set forth in this section 4A1 does not apply to any payment of a benefit which under section 411A11 of the code may be immediately distributed without the consent of the participant. If an optional form of benefit that is otherwise available under the terms of the plan is not available to a participant or beneficiary as the annuity starting date because of the application of the requirements of this section, 4A1, the participant or beneficiary is permitted to elect to deferricate the benefit into unrestricted restricted portions and described in sections 1436-1D3-3D of the Treasury Regulations. The participant or beneficiary may also elect another optional form of benefit otherwise available under the plan at that annuity starting date that would satisfy the 50% PBGC maximum benefit guarantee amount limitation described in this Section 4A1 or may elect to defer the benefit in accordance with the general right to defer commencement of benefits under the plan. Plan amendments increasing liability for benefits. No amendment to the plan has the effect of increasing liabilities of the plan by reason of increases in benefits. Establishment of new benefits, changing the rate of benefit accrual, or changing the rate at which benefits become non-forfeitable shall take effect in a plan year if the adjusted funding target attainment percentage for the plan year is A, less than 80%, or B, 80% or more, but would be less than 80% if the benefits attributable to the amendment were taken into account in determining the adjusted funding target attainment percentage. The limitation set forth in this section 4A2 does not apply to any amendment to the plan that provides a benefit increase under a plan formula that is not based on compensation, provided that the rate of such increase does not exceed the contemporaneous rate of increase. The average wages of participants covered by the amendment. That concludes the language. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, David. Uh, that that language is posted on Working for a Living Facebook, and it will be on the the, uh, the .com, our website, as well. Uh, it's pretty important language. Uh, boiled down, I mean, it, it's, it's good for this to be public record on this show so that everybody can listen to this and understand what this language uh, actually means and that it does exist in the pension plan. Uh, I want to be clear for everybody. I mean, there's a lot there that Dave just presented to us, but there's a section here under 4A1, and I'm just going to pick up about uh, the last line of the primary paragraph and then uh, hit the A and B section, and I'll just... Uh, uh, paraphrase this a little bit. Uh, unless the present value of the portion of the benefit that is being paid in a prohibited, prohibited payment does not exceed the lesser of, okay, in other words, you're not going to get paid any more than the lesser of 50% of the present value of the benefit payable in an option form that includes a prohibited benefit payment. In other words, 50% of what you're 
vested portion, vested portion of your pension is, or B, 100% of the max of the PBGC max. That's a, the governmental uh, entity that, that guarantees pensions, uh, maximum benefit guarantee amount as defined in the, the Treasury regulations here. So you're going to get the lesser of whatever your benefit, 50% of your benefit, or the 100% of the maximum benefit provided by the government. That will be paid by the pension plan if it falls below 80% funding. It's currently at 85% funding, and it's largely tied to the stock market. A downturn in the stock market, ever so slightly, and I'm going to say not just 5%, but we'll say 10% or more. A downturn in the stock market means that at the end of this year, at the end of 2016, they will recalculate the funding levels for the pension plan. And if it's below 80%, if the funding is below 80%, it's an automatic contractual reduction of pension benefits by at least 50%, not to be less than 100% of the pension benefit guarantee corporation. So that's an automatic contractual reduction. There is no lobby in Congress to have this changed. There is no setting a whole lot of folks around and having uh, these town hall meetings to prevent it from being changed. This is an automatic contractual reduction. In an ever so slightly downturned stock market, this will trigger. And that's 50% of your vested portion. Okay, because that's what the Pension Guarantee Benefit Corporation guarantees, the vested portion of your pension. If you're below 62 years, not the supplement. If you're below 62 years of age and receive a supplement, that will not be calculated in this. Only your vested portion, that portion that's about 30 to 40%, depending on how they calculated your number of years uh, and your age, your vested portion of your pension. In other words, uh, if you were receiving uh, uh, 3150 as a pension, for example, and your vested portion of that was, we'll say, $1,200, then you would get that $1,200 cut in half and you would get 600 or the lesser of uh, the, uh, that or uh, the, the 100% of the Pension Guarantee uh, Benefit Corporation uh, uh, amount. So this is serious business that was approved by the, contra- by the uh, membership last year, the incentivized membership, I might add, there were incentivized retirees to take 60000 to vote yes for this. 8% of the membership, actual membership, fell into those ranks. And then another 20% were incentivized by trying to get them from the Tier 2 wages in progression up to the Tier 1 wage. Uh, and that is uh, throughout the four-year contract, the life of the four-year contract, very close to $80,000. Of, a, of an incentive for people to vote yes. So 28% of the voting membership, active membership, were incentivized with almost enough money to buy a house to vote yes on this pension language. Now, can this be overturned? As the Teamsters were overturned is the question the question. This is before us. It's passed in the contract, in the contract, has been approved by the membership right now. What are the opportunities for preventing this from happening? I'm gonna I'm gonna just throw that out to the floor right now for the other two uh, members. Do you think there's anything that can be done with this approved language? Either David no. or Jeff. You don't have an avenue. You have to follow the contract. 
Yeah, right. I mean, not until the, the rank and file membership of the UAW uh, finally wake up and realize how badly they are being treated at every level um, and start fighting back for what we've gained in the past decades and now losing, nothing's going to change. People got to wake up. And I've asked them time and time again. You know, Leroy, I've been telling people, get involved. Become an activist. Educate yourself so we can improve things. That's the only way we're going to do it. It's education. We all all know somebody who is is an activist trying to make change in almost every plant in the country. Detroit 3. We all agree that change is needed, but nobody can come up with a good plan on how. Um, again, the, the people, the everyday Billy Joe, Bobby Sue, um, have got to wake up. They are the highest power in the union, and they, they are letting it slip through their hands like sand. So, until that happens, and it probably will not be within my lifetime, things are just going to continue to deteriorate. And like I said, they got to wake up. Yeah. Please, people, on, wake up. Right, that's, that, you're exactly right, Jeff. And my, the, the question on the floor is, if the contract remains as it is, approved and with these automatic cuts, in it now, if it goes below sixty percent, brothers and sisters, we didn't cover that. But I'll tell you, I'll give you a little insight. It's in that that page four of the uh, uh, tentative agreement, and it's also on digital page uh, uh, in that section that starts on digital page ninety that uh, that uh, David finished up with. I think that was probably in page ninety four or five, digital page ninety four or five. Uh, and then it goes into if it falls below 60%. And we didn't, we're not covering that tonight. But I'll give you a little insight because this here, um, page four, says that uh, if it's frozen, I'm paraphrasing, if it's frozen in accordance with the 4D3III, frozen, it says frozen, then some, some things will happen. Pension benefits would get frozen. Frozen, listen to that word. Frozen, that means ended, stopped, period. No more if it falls below 60%. Until it's deemed amended. Yeah. To reinstate accruals and then restore any frozen benefit accruals as soon as legally permissible to do so in accordance with the party's agreement. What that says to me is when it's um, legally permissible to do so means when so many people are dead that there's enough money now to pay again. Right. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, that's exactly right. Whether we, you know, if enough of us die off or if the stock market were to grow back to the levels that it's currently at. Okay. And we've frozen these at levels at the very highest portion of the stock market. Okay, we didn't gain anything when it was moving up. We just kind of stayed the same. But I'll, I'll, I'll bet you dollars and donuts it goes down, and we're going to lose almost percentage versus percentage on the way down. So every percentage point's almost going to be equal to whatever the pension fund is on the way down. We didn't gain on the way up, but we're going to lose on the way down for sure. Uh, having said that, we got about five minutes. I want to I want to make sure that everybody understands that there is a little hope at the end of this tunnel uh, for the UAW. I can tell you for sure, if the contract stands, that your pension will be cut by 50% if the funding falls below 80, and it's currently 85. So it doesn't have to fall very far to get this uh, cut. There is an appeal to the to this, to this, uh, uh, there is an appeal ongoing to this 
um, uh, election, this ratification election that was that has taken place. It's at the pension review board or public review board at the moment. Okay, and there's one other avenue still available that I won't go into right now because we'd like to keep some of our powder dry, if you will. But this pension or the public review board uh, pension or this ratification appeal could overturn this whole agreement regarding the pension aspect of it to where it could only be voted on by the retire or the uh, uh, pension plan participants that are still active workers because they're not going to allow the retirees to vote at this time on pension plan matters. But this could get overturned still. That's still possible. And if you have an interest, we will, in, in next week or two, we have a little time for this, we will be, be giving you a, uh, an address and some verbiage that you could send in, if you so choose, to the pension or the public review board with your opinion on this matter. And I would suggest that anybody that's in the pension plan receiving a, pen, a pension participate in sending your two cents worth as you have a vested interest in this ratification vote, how it went and how it negatively affected you and how it was voted on by people that were not in the pension plan. So this is not done yet, but it's real close to being done one way or the other. And if you set on your thumbs, you set on your thumbs and not get in, in this boat to try and overturn this ratification election with regard to pension matters, you almost assuredly on January 2nd, 2017, will show up with a 50% cut of the vested portion of your payment, your pension payment. If you want that, then just sit on your thumbs. Think every, everything is all fine, well, and good, and the IUAW is taking care of you. Go sing Kumbaya in the corner and be fine. But if you don't want a pension cut of 50%, you need to get on this boat and help this process and this project. We'll give you more information in the coming week or two. So having said that, it, like I said, it's not done. With regard to this matter, uh, the, the two-piece pension thing that we covered today, fellas, uh, would you give me a consensus vote? Is the IUAW properly protected the pension plan uh, for the retirees at this time? Do you believe they've done that properly? No. I say they have failed, again, in doing their job as written in our Constitution. I would I concur I concur we have a 100% consensus vote saying the IUAW has failed miserably in protecting the pension plan for the retirees current retirees and future retirees that still are in the pension plan so having wrapped that up for the issue uh, do uh, either one of the co-hosts, David or uh, Jeff, have any more to say on any matter, anything that you want to talk about? Yeah, um, I do. Go ahead, David. Under Section 2 financing, um, the uh, pension plan or the company was relieved of further liability under the plan on October 1st, 2008. Um, at that time, Gettlefinger would have been the president. And uh, right. then King came in in 2010. In the 2011 contract, we didn't see any of this language um, under Section 2 financing that showed us that on October 1st, 2008, that the company would be relieved for liability under the plan. We went through the whole 2011 contract before we saw this language. And, so you're uh, saying, David, that in your 2011 agreement, this language was not in this contract? I do not remember seeing it, no. This is the first time I saw this language um, mm -hmm. appearing in the 2015 contract. So, okay. 
yeah, even though it's been frozen, um, they've been relieved of their funding um, since um, October 1st of 2008. It wasn't, uh, I don't believe I remember seeing it in the 2011 agreement. So we went four years, most people, you know, not even knowing that this existed, all of us. Okay. And uh, when I went to the rollout meeting, um, I believe uh, you remember what I told you happened that day. I was um, ushered to the side, told all that my told that all of my questions would have to be answered by the UAW legal staff, and uh, they took my telephone number and information, and never returned my call. And my questions were in regards to how they would fund the plan in the future, and asked questions about um, the previous language that we talked about. And they shut me down. There you go. That's that's yeah. how they that's how they wanted to operate when they rolled out this contract. They wouldn't answer the question regarding funding or the re, resultant uh, uh, falling of the funding levels of the pension plan. So, anything else, David? That's all I got. Jeff, do you have anything else? Sure. Anything. It just amazes me that we are now seeing thousands of our active uh, UAW brothers and sisters retiring in big numbers um, right now. Every day, every week, we got people retiring, walking out the door, and I'm just worried something's going to happen to them. They've been misled um, on their pension. And I'm sure that none of them knew about this information when they signed that retirement slip. Right. Right. Anybody that's retiring under age 62 right now, given the current right. position of the market, this high level, any any cut, any reduction, any fall of the market is going to virtually guarantee a 50% cut of your vested portion and you will lose your supplement, goes below 80% funding. So you could go from making... Yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. What's going to happen after November presidential election? Anything's possible at this point in time. We don't know what the market's going to do, but we do know that it's building a top. Exactly. You know, it's been up to the 18,000... 357 at the high, and it's bounced on, you know, the 18,000 mark a couple of times before and after that. So, depending on uh, how you uh, look at that, it's uh, it's pretty toppy at the moment. So, it's pretty pretty uh, pretty interesting language, and everybody's not uh, on board with what we're telling you. The the international UAW or the local unions or your benefit reps are not telling you what this language means inside this contract. I haven't heard it from anybody other than the shows I've been on and this show. So I think it's very, very important that this this information get out and that support for this appeal at the, pens- at the Public Review Board get uh, marshaled and people start talking about it. So having said that... So- Anybody else? Gonna, anything else you want to cover? So we're going to put something together then, um, and right. get this out to the folks on uh, uh, separate Facebook pages. I'm encouraging them to write to the public review board. Correct. They anybody on on any matter before the public review board will have uh, about 60 days to get their information in, pro or con. Uh, on either side of the issue, so that we still have a window, uh, and uh, we'll give you a deadline or assumed presumed deadline for that as we move. And an on. address, and an address, and maybe some verbiage for people. Right? Okay. That Anything else? Okay. Nope. Uh, so as, let me wrap this up a little bit. We're a little bit long tonight. We're about at five after. 
uh, eight. We like to keep it around 60 minutes, and we're a little bit long. So that's that's fine. We're keeping pretty close to what we promise. Um, as you heard tonight, this this issue is very important. Uh, so, you know, if you can, uh, if you find value in this, and if you think that there's people that you know that should uh, hear about what we talked about tonight, please tell just one person or tell those retirees or the retirees' family members about this show, especially tonight, so that they can too, they too can figure out what's best for them in the face of a, an automatic contractual 50% cut in virtually any downturn in the stock market. So as a reminder, our email address is workingforaliven at workingforaliven.com. Please follow us on Blog Talk Radio. Just go there to our Blog Talk Radio forward slash working for a living, uh, hyphens between all those, and the, the words do not have a G at the end, and four is a number, just like uh, this, this show here. So, uh, Also, this is a podcast. After this live segment, you can listen to it virtually any time in the future. Uh, and we'd like to give a hearty shout-out to all our friends around the nation. By, God, by the way, we had quite a uh, full switchboard tonight, not quite all the way full, but I, I, I was remiss in not asking anybody if they had a question uh, to raise their hand by pressing one. But uh, for now... Uh, we like to let everybody know we had a lot of listeners in the switchboard tonight too. So, but shout out to all of our friends in Brook Park, Flat Rock, Tonawanda, New York, Lordstown, Ohio. It's my hometown, Youngstown down there, where I grew up. Flint, where I lived for a while and worked. Hired in the very building where the sit-down strikes took place. We'll have more on that at some point. I have a little story about it. Pontiac, Detroit. Lansing, our friends in Toledo, Chicago, Kansas City, St. Louis, Wentzville, Arlington, Chattanooga, that new local down there, Local 42, skilled trades are, are uh, certified and recognized now down there, Doraville, Santa Cruz, California, and anyone else around the country and around the world who listens in, thank you. Shout out to everybody. I would just say now, have a, a good night and stay safe throughout the week at work or at, at play. And uh, we'll close the show out, guys. Good night. Good night. Good night.